0: We're here today, and it's a new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What a, great, what a great opportunity God gives us to begin again. And the question is not, are you ready for the new year? The question is, what are you going to do with the new year you've got? See, we've got a new year. It's here. It's a gift of God's grace. The question is, what will we do with the new year? Uh, it, it, it's, it's not just something that happens every January 1st. It's something that happens every single day. Uh, for, there, there's the beginning of your life and the end of your life and the dash in between. And the question is, what do you do with the dash? Oh, what do you do with the dash? Does the dash mean anything of significance? I, I think every person here, we want to leave our mark in this world. We, we want our dash to mean something. We want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We want to leave a lasting legacy. We want to make a difference. We want our dash to mean something. As we look at 2014, um, it, it's my heart's desire that my 2014, this little spectrum of my dash... It's, it's my prayer that my 2014 will mean something. It will make a difference, that there will be something significant, that there will be something even miraculous that takes place, something that I can't take credit for, but something that I can be a part of. I, I, want, I want us as a church, I want this spectrum of this church's dash. To mean something. I I want us to be a part of something miraculous. A a, a movement that takes place. A revolution that begins to take shape. Something that will make a difference. A lasting difference. Something that will change and transform the world around us. I want us to be a part of something miraculous that we can't take credit for. Something big. And and I think every follower of Christ has that dream. And, And it's not a dream. It's not an ambition of of me being Mr. Important or you being Mr. Important. That's not the dream. The dream is for us to, to be a part of something that really is meaningful and, and something that really can make a difference. Well, as we look at 2014, as we try to figure out how we can be a part of something that will make a difference, um, really, I think the answer comes to us uh, obviously, I think the answer always comes to us through Scripture, uh, but I, I think it, it's as big picture as this. I think if we will take hold of this core principle and, and make it our resolution every day... By the way, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. You know, that, that's a, a New Year's resolution. January 1, I am write down all these new things that I'm going uh, to try to do and that kind of thing. I, I'm not against resolutions, but I'm more into daily resolutions, See, I need resolutions that take shape in my life every day, not just once a year. I, I, I look at my life, and there are things that, that I need to augment or adjust every single day. And in those moments, I need to make a resolution. And so I'm into daily resolutions. And if we will make this statement our daily resolution, then our dash, that, that, that season between the moment we're born and the moment we die, our dash will make a difference our dash will be significant. So what is this one big idea? It's simply this. God calls us to live for his glory every day, and that's what we're supposed to do. And if we do that, everything changes. I know, see, and it's not complicated. I'm starting a series next week called It's Not Complicated. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, uh, But but it's not complicated. How can I live so that my uh, my dash makes a difference? How, How can I be a part of something where my dash makes a difference? It's not complicated. It may not be easy, but it's not complicated. How do we live so that our dash makes a difference? Live each day for God's glory. That's why we were made. That's why we exist. By the way, it's not complicated. We, we are followers of Jesus. We've gathered here. We say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Well, as a follower of Christ, do what Jesus did. Say what Jesus said. Go where Jesus went. Feel what Jesus felt. That, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. So in order to do that, let's, let's figure out what it was that made Jesus tick. If this is what made Jesus tick, and then I'm going to let that be what makes me tick. And my dash will make a difference. Oh, what made Jesus tick? You remember several months ago, we looked at core convictions. The big picture core conviction comes from John chapter 17. Jesus is nearing the end of his life, and, and uh, he, he's praying to God the Father. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son might also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him and this is eternal life that they might know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I have glorified you on the earth I have finished the work you've given me to do. What, what was it that made Jesus tick? Why did he leave heaven's throne? Why was he a man uh, born in a manger? Why, why, why did he go to a cross to die and be raised from the dead three days later? Why, why, why? Simply this, glorify God. To bring glory to God, to, to delight in, in 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 the dance for God's pleasure, to to find his greatest satisfaction in God's smile, to to understand and to live each moment for for the applause of his Father in heaven, that's what made Jesus tick. And that led Jesus to transform the world and continue to transform the world. Now, here's the thing. That's what's got to make us tick. You want your dash to count for something. You want to be a part of something miraculous. Here's what it's going to take. It's going to take you and me individually, but we as a church, us, to accept and embrace and live for God's glory every single day, daily resolution. And, and, and see, I, I need this for me. I, I pray this for myself. I pray it for my wife. I pray it for my girls. I, I, I pray it for my family that we would live each day for God's glory. Beca- why? Because I really do believe this is the key. This is what makes the difference. But I also pray it for our church. I, I pray it for us. That, that we, you want to know what makes the difference in this church. And by the way, the church is not where we're gathered 312 Kempsville Road, that's that's a geographic location. This is building. This is a building with bricks and mortar and carpet and pews. That's not the church. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking about some nebulous entity, First Baptist Church. I'm talking about you and me and we. That's First Baptist Church. We are the church. So for this church to be participating in something that will lead to a transformation, something that will make this dash for this church count, it means that all of us, I pray, all of us will live for God's glory every day. By the way, that's the strategy for this church. That's the plan. There's no plan B. This is it. For our church to make a difference, I feel the heavy weight of this. And and, and, and my soul, I I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this. I know you all don't. You're not supposed to. But I do. And by the way, read Hebrews 13 sometime. Hebrews 13 says, uh, The responsibility, God holds me responsible as pastor. He holds me responsible. It's not spread out through a committee. The responsibility rests firmly upon the under-shepherd whom he has appointed and called. So yeah, I kind of wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this stuff. And so the only plan that I have, the only plan I think God has given us, is for us to be persistently pursuing the path that Christ pursued with the passion to bring God glory. Now, how do we see this in everyday life? Turn in your copy of Scripture to Matthew chapter 9. Over the next uh, several weeks and months and and throughout the year, you're going to hear Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. That's going to be kind of the theme passage for 2014, Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Uh, But if we look at Jesus, how did Jesus bring God glory in his daily life? Uh, Let's look at what he did. Makes sense, right? If we're followers of Christ, we want to bring glory to God the way Jesus brought glory to God, then we want to do what Jesus did. Makes sense? All right, so let's look at what he did. And let's begin, Matthew chapter 9, let's begin reading in verse 30, uh, 36. Um, well, let's begin in verse 35. Then Jesus went, out, uh, uh, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see the the passage. This is going to be kind of thematic for us in 2014. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. As we look at Jesus in in the setting of his everyday life and in his teaching, we find that there are are four imperatives. That if we adopt these four imperatives, there are others, but these are the four in the passage. If we adopt these four imperatives, these four commands for our everyday life, we, we, we apply them in our everyday life, then we will... Bring God glory every day and we will be a part of something that, that is miraculous. We will see our dash make a difference. The first imperative is this. We need to look beyond. We need to look beyond. Scripture says that, that Jesus went throughout the towns and the cities and the villages and he was preaching and teaching and healing. And verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitude, let's just stop right there, great imperative for us. Jesus saw the multitude. Here is the king of heaven, the glorious one, the creator of heaven and earth, and he took time to note, notice, pay attention to, and care for others. He saw them. He saw who they were. It's not just in this passage. We see in John chapter 4, Jesus stopped and he saw a woman at the well of Sychar. And he saw her hurt and he saw her struggle and he saw her fear and he saw her pain and he saw even her mistakes. And he saw her. Uh, David, during the welcome time, we didn't plan this, just kind of a godly ordained moment. But during the uh, welcome time, David... uh, said you know that that selfie is the word for 2013 word of the year selfie and and the thing about selfie my children are very not happy when I take a selfie they they have told me it's inappropriate and icky and that kind of thing and so I stopped doing it until like today and and so what I what I want if you've never taken a selfie then take a moment take a selfie um, and, and, and I'm going to, again, this will be the third time. So, so here's how you take a selfie. Now, I could take a selfie of my shadow right now. That would be kind of cool, but that would be boring. All right, so anyway, so here's the way the selfie works. you got your phone. you got go to the camera, and then um, there you flip that thing around. So there I am. But that's boring. Who just wants to see me? Let's take a picture of you all with me. And do it over here. That's, that's like three selfies. Okay, and then what I do is I go to Instagram. And uh, I go up here and I get to the camera part. And which one do I want? Not the one with my tongue sticking out. That one's kind of fun. We'll do that one. Shake it up a little bit. And then um, I've said in the other services I need my glasses to do this. And I do. Uh, then I put uh, worship... 11 o'clock at First Norfolk Okay, then Facebook and Twitter share (laughs) It's finishing up right now Finishing, 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 finishing There it is Pop, right there Okay, don't go check on my Facebook page or anything. All right, but selfies. I mean, it's kind of strange. It's a little bit creepy. Why in the world would you keep on taking pictures of yourself? Right? I mean, I understand. It's kind of narcissistic and that kind of thing. And it's okay for a little teenager or younger person to take pictures of themselves because they're just, I mean, they change every day. So they need to figure out what's going on. But, but I, I mean... The, the thing about selfie and the reason I think it's the word of the year for 2013 is because it's such a picture of how we really live our lives. We wake up in the morning, we're thinking about ourselves. Go through the day, we're thinking about ourselves. Go to bed at night, we're thinking about ourselves. We come into this place and we're thinking about ourselves. Some of you all thinking about how hot you are. Because <laughs> I see you fanning. You're thinking about yourselves. And, and I understand that. I get that. I really do. There are those moments when I'm captured with thinking of self and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But that's not how Jesus did it. See, if we're going to live for God's glory, then we've got to look beyond ourself. We've got to look beyond just what's going on in my little sphere of influence, beyond what's going on in my little world. We need to look beyond ourselves. And when we look upon people, we need to look beyond the, uh, uh, the smiles that are managing their own misery. You know, the, these smiles that mask their, their misery and, and it's just a way to manage the pain in their heart. They, we, we need to look beyond those smiles, those surface smiles and, and, and small talk. You know the small talk where you gather around people at your work or at school or at home and, and you talk about different Different things like uh, football, I don't talk about football this season, but if I did, because Cowboys fan, University of Tennessee volunteers, bad year. But anyway, you know, you, you have your small talk. And, and it's the small talk that, that shrouds the, the real deep struggles that people have. They talk about everything from, from splinters in toes and, and fixing roofs and, and, and raking leaves. But it's all small talk, so they don't have to talk about real substantive stuff. And if we're going to live for God's glory every single day, then every single day we need to stop just navel-gazing, looking at ourselves. We need to get our eyes up off ourselves, look at people around us, and get beyond the small talk and the surface smiles. And that takes time. That takes relationship. Jesus looked, and he saw the people for who they were. When he met the woman at the well of Sychar, he saw a woman who, who was in deep trouble. And had deep pains. And he stopped and he wanted to help her. And he saw the the crowd there in Matthew chapter 9. And and he saw them as leaderless. People needing a shepherd. Weary and scattered. They needed help. And he looked at you and and he saw beyond all our um, bloviating and brags here and brags there. And he saw a person who needed help. Jesus looks beyond, and we have to look beyond, too. As followers of Christ, we need to look beyond ourselves. Look beyond the surface, uh, surface smiles and small talk. And see people where they are. Not only do we need to look beyond, but we also need to love passionately. We need to love passionately. Jesus saw the multitudes, and he was, what's the phrase? What's the phrase? Filled with Compassion. He was filled with compassion. Now, compassion is a word that simply means he was moved in, in his heart and in his soul. Everything within him was moved with love to act on behalf of the people he saw. He saw them, and he saw where they were, and he wanted to help them. He wanted to love them. He wanted to love them passionately. Now, we, we are known, this church is known as a loving church, and, and that's true, I I, people come to me and they say your church is so kind your church is so loving and they're talking about when they gather here uh, and they're they're here and 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 their guests or they're from out of town or whatever they come in here and they they find us to be very welcoming and kind and accepting and gracious and man that's awesome because when people gather here they need to feel the passionate love that Christ's followers are supposed to have toward other people right because that's how the people are going to know that we're Christ's followers by our love for one another. And that's great as we gather on this turf, but I wonder how many of us at work, the people would say, boy, you're known as a loving person. Or at school, boy, you're known as a loving person. Or in our community, in our neighborhood, by our neighbors, boy, you're known as a loving person. Or at the grocery store or the restaurant, do people know you as a loving person? See, that matters. In fact, I would suggest that it matters even more than what we're known for here as we gather. Because it's out there that people are really testing whether what we say we believe here really counts out there. Are you loving others passionately? Now, loving others passionately at work and at school and and that kind of thing, it, it means that we see them, we recognize their need, and we want to help them. And it's more than mere words. Anybody can say, I love you, anybody can write it down. But it's the actions that give meaning to those words, it's the actions that give meaning to those words are you loving others passionately you're loving others passionately in such a way that you are giving them the hope that you have found in Christ that's what it means you're 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 leading them along a path where they begin to recognize hey this person has hope and he is he is he is sharing that hope with me we need to love people toward the hope we have in Christ get it we need to love People toward the hope we have in Christ. And sometimes that means that we stop and help fix another person's tire. And sometimes that means that we pull out the rake or the blower and we rake our neighbor's yard. And sometimes that means that we forgive the person at work that is always unkind. It's easy to to love somebody that's lovable. But as a follower of Christ, we're supposed to love the people. That are unlovable. Think of it this way. Who is the one person on television that drives you crazy? Reporter of sorts. You have these reporters, and and whether it's a Chris Matthews or a Bill O'Reilly, one of those two is going to drive you nuts. And you pick one of them, the one that drives you nuts, and you're supposed to love him passionately. It's easy to love the one that you like, but Christ has called us to love the one that wouldn't walk across the street to spit on us if we were in fire, on fire. That's how we're supposed to love. Are, are you known for your love? See, if we're going to bring glory to God, we've got to live like Jesus lived. What did Jesus do? Jesus had compassion, He was filled with compassion, He loved passionately. So we look beyond ourselves and small talk and the surface smiles and we, we love passionately. But, but then the third imperative, third command is to pray urgently. Now if you haven't figured it out by now, you will. Prayer is going to be kind of the theme for 2014. If I had to pay, pick one word to say what is the theme of 2014, I would say prayer. See, we want our dash to make a difference. And the only way our dash is going to be, make a difference is if we have God empowering our dash. And the way we get in touch with the power of God is through prayer. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There was the need. He didn't say go out and recruit a dozen of them. He, he, didn't say, he didn't say, let's have a program where we can, can train a bunch of... Le-. He said, pray. When we're in need, we need to pray. We need, we need to pray because prayer connects us with the power of God. It puts us in touch with the very presence of God. So we're going to pray. We need to pray. God gives us the privilege of partnering with Him and and fulfilling the mission He's given us and the calling that He's given us to bring Him glory. But the only way that's going to happen is if we pray. Now, all of us believe in the importance of prayer. Some of us delight in the the results of prayer. but, But are we urgent in prayer for something more than just a selfie? You think about it. Is your prayer life for something more than just a selfie? And Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into the harvest. The prayer was not pray that, that, uh, that, that I might have more strength or anything like that. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with those selfie prayers. I mean, absolutely nothing wrong. There, there, we're going to look uh, beginning... Uh, This Wednesday, we're going to look at prayers in the Psalms, and there are a lot of selfie prayers in the Psalms. And so I'm not saying we shouldn't pray that. I'm just saying that there are a whole lot of other types of prayers that we need to be in prayer, that we need to pray. But we need to pray. Are you asking God for help? That's what the term there for pray means. It means to ask God for help. Are you asking God for help for your dash to be meaningful not 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 that you get smarter in 2014 not that you make more money in 2014 are, are you praying for your dash to make a difference we need to pray in uh, in in back here in this back room there's a thing called the green room and and when I came especially it's a pastor's room it's for dignitaries and uh, and and obviously I have. Oh, I don't know if it's obvious to you. I haven't used it. I, I I they you know they tried to set me up in the green room and so I could go in between services, sit back there and relax. And I yeah, that's not my thing. So um, and so I've never used the green room. And uh, different people have started using it and that kind of thing. And and uh, and and so I I I I just felt burdened. And and this was during the Christmas holidays and even before. Um, that we need to do something with that green room other than it just being a place to gather and sit and that kind of thing. And so we're going to transform that green room into a prayer room. And that's going to be a place where I'm going to invite two or three of you to gather each week during worship and pray. And, and we need people to pray at 8 o'clock during worship and at 9.30 during worship and at 11 o'clock during worship. And we only need two or three every hour, but two or three of y'all gather in that green room and pray. Now, if you're interested in doing that, here's what you need to do. You need to email me at pastor at And we need people to pray. And as soon as we get everything organized in the next couple of weeks, everybody, uh, we're going to have people praying back there. During worship. Now, why during worship? Because we, we need God's power in this place. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're asking God to unleash His power in this place. We need to pray. January 25th, we're going to have a study on prayer. Wednesday nights, we're going to have a study on prayer. Beginning in February, we're going to have a daily devotion on prayer. Starting in February, I'm preaching a sermon series, three sermon series back to back on prayer. We're going to learn how to pray, and we are going to pray. Why? Because we want our dash to make a difference. We want to live for God's glory. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send labors into his harvest. We need to look beyond ourself, surface talk and surface smiles. We need to love passionately. We need to pray urgently. And finally, the fourth imperative is we need to live sent. And what does that mean, live sent? Well, it simply means that we need to live each day as missionaries sent by God to make a difference where we go. We need to live each day as missionaries sent by God to make a difference where we go. What Jesus said is you need to lift up your eyes, look at the fields, see that they're white unto harvest. The harvest is ready. What is the harvest? Harvests are individual people that God has made ready and desires to transform their life, to make a difference in their world. We've got the harvest All around us, and God, by His grace, sends us out into the harvest. We are missionaries sent by God everywhere. Now, that that, that mission field is school, that mission field is our neighbors and our neighborhood, that mission field is our work, that mission field is the grocery store and the golf course. It is wherever we go as followers of Christ, and God is sending us out as his missionaries who love him supremely, who love others passionately, and who are committed to live the mission. See, Jesus is calling us to be the answer to the prayer. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You're those laborers. And when we look beyond ourselves and our surface smiles and, 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 uh, and when we love passionately and when we pray urgently and when we live sent by God into, into, into the harvest, when we, when we do that, then we will bring God glory every day. Now, those are daily resolutions. Those are daily commitments. These are the things we're going to do every single day. We do those every single day. We're going to bring God glory every single day. And we will make a difference our dash will be significant, even miraculous. See, I really believe if we will commit to this as a church, and, and, and that's, I don't mean nebulous, big-picture church. I mean you and me together. If, if we as the church will commit to live for God's glory every day, then, then I, I believe that everything will change. I mean the world will change. Community will change. Our families will change. Everything will change and be transformed. And we will dance in the delight of God's pleasure. So the question is, will you make the commitment? See, all I've done, and literally all I've done, is given you the information. This is God's word open for you and for me. But it's just information. You're the ones who have to apply it. I can't apply it for you. You're the ones who have to take the information and do something with it. And the question before you today is, will you commit to answer God's call, to live for God's glory every single day? It'll make all the difference.